welcome again. And we are going to start now our creation calling talk this week. And uh, I'm going to begin in an, an unusual place, really, for this particular subject. I want to examine an ancient culture. Uh, it will be familiar to some of you. But also, as I read through this and just unpack it a bit, I wonder if you can see familiar traits with any culture you know. And we're going to look at Exodus chapter 1. What we see here, Israel is in slavery and uh, the Pharaoh is wanting to oppress Israel, worried about the numbers increasing. And this is what it says in Exodus 1. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labour and they built Pithom and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labour in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labour, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. So what are the facets of that society we see there? Well, it's an accumulating culture. What we have here is the Israelite slaves building store cities, Ramesses and Pithom, for Pharaoh. You remember in the time of Joseph, storehouses, store cities were places of blessing. Well, they're no longer that in this accumulating society. And because of this, there's a need for unrelenting production. In Exodus 5, where Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, release my people, Pharaoh puts slave drivers in place and says, you're going to work even harder. You're going to collect your own straw for these bricks. You're going to fill these quotas, come what may. And then because of that, it became a driven and oppressive society. Slave drivers, taskmasters are in place. And Israel, it says, are oppressed with forced labour. Israel develops a slave mindset. They're anxiety ridden. They've got to fulfil these quotas. They can only think like slaves. They can't imagine anything different. And so they are trapped in this worldview such that when they are eventually led out of Egypt, they want to return to the, the garlic and the cucumbers that they were given in their dependent state in Egypt. Well, finally, this is a culture that is unsustainable. This is going to break Israel, these slaves. They can't go on living like this. It's an unjust society and God finally decides to step in and free these slaves. Well, thank goodness we've escaped all that. Or have we? You see, it seems to me there are echoes, familiar traits in that culture of our globalised society. And I'm not just talking about human slavery, although that is one of the worst indictments on our modern world there are. In my preparation for this talk today, it just seemed to me that our materialistic consumerist worldview has given rise to an unbridled 
capitalism that has resulted in huge environmental damage. I'll unpack some of those terms in a minute. There's a lot that's good in capitalism, the free market system we have in place. It, it can foster individuals taking responsibility for themselves. We don't just rely on the state. And also it can create wonderful opportunities for people to better themselves in some societies. But this capitalist system is dangerous if it's conscious-less. If it's the case that only economic factors matter, it's only the pounds and pence in the totals column that count. It's only GDP that really matters. Economic growth, regardless of the cost to the world, individuals and other collateral damage. So isn't this a bit political for a Sunday, I hear you say? Well, aren't we as Christians called to examine our culture, our society, through the eye of a prophet and call out systemic issues or injustices. What do I mean? Well, I think we live in an accumulating culture, just like Israel did in slavery. The world aspires to our Western consumerism. The whole world looks at the West, the wealthy nations, and think if only we had the stuff, better, more material goods. My wife and I spent a year uh, in Peru a good while back now, but even then in this society that was so warm and personable and welcoming, people still aspired to Western goods and material things. And so because of that, we have production that is unrelenting. We need goods faster we want more of them and we want them cheaper. Well, we have to ask, is that demand going to lead to negative effects on the world around us? We're a driven culture. We end up working longer hours, trying to do more for less. And it's backbreaking, isn't it, to fill our equivalent of our quotas of bricks. And many of us end up in something of a slave mindset. We can't imagine anything different. Isn't this all there is? I remember reading a, a quote by Tom Wright talking about how even as Christians, we can believe the gospel, but be within a system and go off to work, he says, forgetting that we're building the Tower of Babel. We've got sucked in to this culture. And relating this to our Creation Calling series, this is all unsustainable. In the words of my sermon title, this can't go on. Well, that would be expected, wouldn't it? If the way we're living is in so many ways unbiblical, it would be unsustainable because it's not according to the manufacturer's instructions, to the way God has designed creation. And it's certainly unsustainable for the well-being of society. We've never had so much and we've probably never been so unhappy. But also it's certainly unsustainable for the sake of the environment. And of course, that is the springboard for our morning this morning. 
It's not difficult, you know, to find examples of the harm our economic system has done to the world. And I would encourage you, in fact, I'd go further to say that I think it's responsible of every one of us to do some research about this. What is the state of our environment and what's causing this? It's not difficult to do. Google it. There's a couple of great websites. There's one, The World Counts. It gives live figures as to... Um, uh, uh, disposal of waste and, and uh, amount of fossil fuels that are being mined, a live count on those figures, and some of them are really quite provoking, if not shocking. There's also the World Wildlife Fund, as well as, of course, the Beck quiz that we saw this morning. Did you know, just to reel off some figures here for where we're at, at our present rate of use of resources and disposal of waste, we really need 1.77 Earths to sustain our lifestyle. And in all of that, the disposal of waste, 40% of the food we produce is wasted anyway. So all of that deforestation and the wreckage of biodiversity, the, the threat to animals, actually we're wasting the food anyway. Pollution rates, since 1960, six, there's been a 66% per capita increase in pollution in that period. And the resulting temperature increases and uh, means that food production, some have calculated by 2000, by the year 2100, uh, there'll be a 35% fall in food production due to water shortages. Did you know that 1.1 billion tonnes of ice will melt today? I had to check that figure a couple of times. It just seemed too high, but that's, that's what it is. Because of that, there'll be sea level rises, which is calculated by the year 2050 will affect 340 million people living on coastal areas. Now, we may think, well, thankfully, lockdown, it may help in this. It certainly, I think, helped us appreciate creation more. But it was found that in Brazil in the month of April this year, 2020, there was a 64% increase on deforestation on last April, largely because governments are preoccupied elsewhere. And as we know, Brazil has been terribly hit by corona. And it's feared that as a result of uh, trying to get economies back on track post-lockdown, that there may come deregulation, restrictions will be uh, slackened and the environment will be harmed because of this. And uh, I came across something, somebody's commented there'll be a carpocalypse as we're all fearful of using public transport for fear of catching corona. The USA consumption rates are ridiculous across the world, but in the USA consumes resources at seven times the rate of India. So it's the equivalent population consumption at the rate of folks in India of a population of 2.3 billion people, even though the population of America is only just over 300 million. We don't get away with that in the UK. Our consumption rates are four times the rate of consumption of natural resources of India. So the statistics are alarming. You don't have to go far to see that. I was uh, talking to one 20-something who's quite passionate about the, this aspect. Uh, she'll remain nameless. Let's call her daughter. And um, she said that, on the one hand, 
she kind of admires uh, her grandparents' generations. You know, they, they came through World War II and through austerity. And uh, although uh, daughter um, respected her parents for the job they've done, nonetheless, she, she said, really, what we've left her as a generation are inflated house prices and global warming, the end of the world. I like to think that 80s music might count for something, but on the big scale of things, some generations do, will answer, I think, to the way we've treated creation. And so we need to do something. It's said we're at a tipping point. Well, how can we respond as Christians? What does scripture have to teach us? And this is our Creation Calling series. We've shown, I hope, that a theological understanding, it has to start with our thinking, is helpful. We've seen that the world was originally a wonderful creation community of harmony and synergy. And Erica showed us last time that really we need to walk in a more humble dominion than perhaps we are walking in as humanity. But part of the solution to these issues that we're going to look at today, deal with, dealing with our driven nature of as humankind, part of that solution is found in an unexpected place. I want to look today at the creation rhythms God set in place when he originally formed the earth and the universe, and particularly Sabbath rest. Now, again, at this point, some of you may say, what, Sabbath, Sundays? So you mean to say we can help the environment? We're going to partly solve the environmental issues by going to church and uh, not shopping on a Sunday, by perhaps not allowing our children to watch ordinary movies, but only Christian VeggieTales films? Is it just a list of do's and don'ts that is going to save the planet? Well, let me ask you, is that, is that your view of Sabbath then? Is that how you see Sundays? It's a list of rules and regulations, do's and don'ts that we tie ourselves up in knots with. I remember when I first became a Christian, that was my perspective. But that was only because I hadn't really looked into how Scripture teaches on Sabbath and creation rhythms. They are far bigger. It's a far more significant issue than just a list of do's and don'ts. Let's have a look then at some of the Scriptures on this, shall we? Genesis 2 verses 1 to 3 says this. God has created the earth and on day seven, it says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And so we see on this day, the Sabbath is instituted. It's a day of rest and it's upheld through the Mosaic law. In fact, God goes further in the Mosaic law. It's understood that the very land, the earth, needs Sabbath. And so we see this in Leviticus 25, 
that a whole year is to be given over a Sabbath once every seven years and then repeated every 50 years. This is what Leviticus 25 verses 1 to 5 say. The Lord said to Moses at Mount Sinai, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land, I am going to give you the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord for six years. sow your fields and for six years, prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a year of Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. And again, further on in this passage of Leviticus 25, we see something that really gets to the heart, I believe, of what Sabbath is is over and above a day of rest, which is good in itself. Verses 18 to 21 of Leviticus. God says, follow my decrees and be careful to obey my laws and you will live safely in the land. Then the land will yield its fruit and you will eat your fill and live there in safety. You may ask, What will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? I will send you, says God, such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. So like I say, I think we see here something that addresses our condition. Did you hear it in verse 20? It's almost like an anxiety starting to creep in on the part of Israel. They've been told you're going to leave a year Sabbath. And they say, well, what will we eat then if we don't work? How can we and the land truly rest? Who's going to look after things if we don't? And there's this striving creeping in. And it seems to me that's part of our issue with both the day of Sabbath, but also enjoying Sabbath rest in God, which I'll explain in a minute. You see, coming back to Exodus, how were these slaves weaned off dependence on Pharaoh's provision? The need to fill quotas, otherwise they won't be looked after. Well, God has to take them into the wilderness, into the desert, and he provides for them their daily manna. They have to learn to trust in God's provision, that he will provide for them and they can rest in that. And that includes the Sabbath. They were only to collect manna six days and trust God for provision for the seventh day. So what is Sabbath? Well, it's certainly a day when we learn to trust God to run his world. Do you know God's in charge? He's running his world. And although at times that may be difficult to understand, we can trust him for that. You can trust him to run your world. And so you don't have to strive. On the Sabbath, we're not called to produce. In fact, far from it, there is fruitfulness in rest, not in striving. 
The Sabbath shows us we're not defined as consumers. Our identity is not in the commodities we own, the position we hold, our place in the ladder, the profile we have in this material world. Our identity as we come together to worship around his word, as we celebrate communion, we remember the cross. Our identity is shaped by who we are as children of God. And out of that, we choose to rest in him. You know, in Genesis 2, it tells us that God rested on the seventh day. And I believe that rest is now his perpetual state. God is in a state of perpetual rest. He's creating, he's creative, but he's restful. And Hebrews 4 verses 9 to 11 would seem to back this up. The writer to Hebrews has talked about entering God's rest entering Israel, entering their inheritance, fully entering relationship with God. And verse 9 says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their own works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. It is undoubtedly talking about that time at the end of all things when we rest in God. But it talks here about a today, a continuous today where God rests and where we can rest. If you like, a perpetual state of Sabbath resting in God. And this is, of course, very counter-cultural, that somehow we don't have to strive. It's not us in charge. In fact, it's been shown, as I've tried to show this morning, that it's harmful. Our economic drivers are harming the environment. It's unsustainable. It doesn't fit with creation rhythms. Yes, we're to be busy. Yes, we're to be fruitful. But we're not to have a culture, even our own lifestyle, that is accumulating endlessly, that is driven, and because of that is just unsustainable. Again, in preparing this talk, it seemed to me just the thought that we have just not learned to be content. We know so little of that in our individual lives, but as a global society. And because of this materialistic worldview, we're damaging the world around us. And Sabbath helps as we come to understand creation's rhythms. We learn to trust and learn contentment in God. Walter Brueggemann, who this insight into Exodus 1 and the slavery of Israel comes from, has written a book called Sabbath as Resistance, saying no, the subtitle, saying no to the culture of now. Sabbath as resistance, as we follow creation's rhythms, a day of rest a week at least, but also just an outlook on life and not striving for material things with all the harm that that does, 
that is resistance and countercultural. So let's respond to what we've heard today. And I want to show a video that I just think captures the heart, really, of where we're at as a society, as humanity. And there's a lot of truth in this video. Uh, you may not agree with everything of the worldview expressed there. I don't know whether the person uh, that's made it is um, a Christian. They're certainly spiritual. But as we watch this, I just encourage you to listen and be prayerful. Let's be thankful for our wonderful creation. But maybe there are things we need to repent of. We need to repent as a humanity as a whole. But maybe in terms of our own lifestyles, there are things we need to repent of and resolve to change habits. And again, our creation calling challenges may be some things we can look at. But certainly there's plenty of websites out there. Just search actions to help the environment and you can find very practical things that you can actually do to change things. But just to finish, on a personal level, I'm sure many of you have listened to this and you've just felt, regardless of the damage the system I live in is doing to the environment, I recognise that slave culture in me, that slave mindset. Maybe you recognise you're driven and you can't imagine anything else. It feels like you're trapped in your routines. Well, maybe you need to consider that. It's unsustainable. You're going to do yourself some harm. I want to encourage you, if, that's, if that is you, be prayerful. Talk to someone. Chat things through. And maybe if needs be, take action to step fully into God's Sabbath rest on a Sunday and Monday through Saturday as well. God bless you. Fun fact. Planet Earth is 4.5 billion years old. Mankind, about 140,000 years old. Let me put that in perspective. If you condense the Earth's lifespan into 24 hours, that's one full day, then we have been here on this planet for... Drum roll, please. Three seconds. Three seconds. And look what we've done. We have modestly named ourselves Homo sapiens, meaning wise man. But is man really so wise? Smart, yes, and it's good to be smart, but not too smart for your own good. Yes, we have split the atom. Yes, we build clever machines that navigate the universe in search of new homes. But at the same time, those atoms we split created nuclear warfare. In our quest to explore the galaxy, rejects and neglects the home that we have here now. So no, that cannot be wisdom. Wisdom is different. While intelligence speaks, wisdom listens, and we willingly covered our ears to Mother Nature's screams and closed our eyes to all of her help-wanted signs. Wisdom knows that every action has an equal and opposite reaction, so if we were wise, we would not be shocked when we see storms that are stronger than ever before, or more drought, hurricanes, and wildfire than ever before, because there's more pollution than ever before, more carbon, more trees cut down than ever before. At a record pace, we have increased the extinction of animals by 1,000 times the normal rate. What a feat. In the next 10 to 100 years, every beloved animal character in every children's book is predicted to go extinct. Lions gone. Rhinos gone tiger gorilla elephant polar bear gone in three seconds species that have been here longer than us will be gone because of us in this three seconds 
In an existence shorter than a Vine video, we turn the circle of life into our own personal conveyor belt. Somebody, anybody help. We were given so much. The only planet in this solar system with life. I mean, we are one in a million. No, actually, scientifically, we are one in a billion, trillion, trillion. That's a one followed by 33 zeros. And I don't want to get too spiritual, but how are we not a miracle? We are perfectly positioned to the sun so we don't burn, but not too distant so we don't turn to ice. Goldilocks said it best we are just right this paradise where we are given medicine from trees not coincidentally but because like the song says we are family literally everything every species is connected genetically from the sunflower to the sunfish and this is what we must recognize before it's too late because the real crisis is not global warming environmental destruction or animal agriculture it is us these problems are symptoms of us byproducts of us are in a reflection loss of connection has created this misdirection we have forgotten that everything contributes to the perfection of mother nature corporations keep us unaware and disconnected but they have underestimated our strength contrary to popular belief millions are waking up out of their sleep seeing our home being taken right up under our feet we cannot allow our history to be written by the wicked greedy and loony it is our duty to protect mother nature from those who refuse to see her beauty call me crazy but i believe we should have the right to eat food that's safe with ingredients we can pronounce drink water that is clean marvel at trees breathe air free of toxins these are natural rights not things that can be bargained for in congress see they want you to feel powerless but it has been said that something as small as the flutter of a butterfly's wing can cause a typhoon halfway around the world but when enough people come to Together, we too will make waves and watch the world into a new era filled with love and connection, freedom for all without oppression. But it is up to you, yes, you watching this behind this screen to make the effort because time is of the essence and only together can we make it to the fourth second.